Hey guys, and welcome to the Lightmaker Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Bodzak, and I'm excited to be back with you after a long hiatus. I had originally decided to take a break from the podcast when finishing up my book, Eat With Intention, and just wanting to focus on different things, but I was recently really re-inspired to hop on and to really kick it off and resurrect the Lightmaker podcast with this new series called Behind the Curtain, where I will be, yes, don't worry, getting back to interviews. But first, I wanted to share some stories from my personal life about some pretty dark times that helped turn me into a Lightmaker. And it was originally inspired by Kate Spade's passing this week. And really, it just hit me really hard that we need to be more open about our struggles. And I've found being, um, you know, a spiritual mentor, a life coach, someone that's, you know, an author and in the self-help industry, my highest priority is, you know, being authentic, but also making sure that I'm using my stories to be of service. Um, So knowing when to share and how to share from a place of service um, and the time finally felt right. So I wanted to kick um, this series off behind the curtain by sharing more about my my disordered eating journey, waging war with my body, um, and both what that looked like in its dark and stormy, as well as the practices that helped me um, get to the other side. I know uh, we're approaching summertime here in California, and um, it can be the most triggering time of the year for people that are struggling with their body. Um, my whole book, Eat With Intention, is really uh, a love letter and a manual for making peace back with your body. Um, and I think this conversation is important to have, and I think it is important to talk about um, all the little things along the way because I hope that you can hear, you know, here's hope in anything that you relate to. I hope that any of the stories that um, I share with you guys might inspire you to know that there is another side, even if you are currently dealing with any of this. So let's just dive in. And go way, way, way back to when I first um, realized that something was wrong with my body. And that disturbing um, realization happened when I was only five years old. And for those of you who have read Eat With Intention, you probably remember this story. But it was the first time we had gotten weighed in school. And I remember going to a play date afterwards with one of my friends and asking her how much she weighed. And um, and when she told me, I knew that I weighed five pounds more than her. And I remember that moment as if it was yesterday. Um, I remember the shift in myself at that moment, that that was the first time I realized that perhaps um, there was something wrong with my body, that perhaps I was bigger. Um, And mind you, I really, you know, I was a tall, lanky kid. I really wasn't. um, It was a lot all of my disorder um, was really in my head. And so often that's the case. Um, And I find a lot of the time 
it's um, those of us who struggle the most are the people that look quote unquote healthy. Um, we don't look um, like we're battling with our weight on either end of the spectrum. So oftentimes when we have negative thoughts around our body or when we engage in disordered behaviors, it can get brushed off because we don't look like we're weighing 80 pounds or we don't look like we're, you know, binging or whatnot, right? Um, And that was kind of the journey. Growing up in elementary school, I was always conscious of how big I was. Um, I always was conscious of what I was eating, even if I didn't really know what to do when I was young. Um, I remember remember as early as fifth grade having conversations in the lunchroom with other girls about about you know what, wanting to be skinnier, and um, and that just progressed as I went on. I remember in middle school waking up really early, like before I would I would um, go to band practice in the mornings or chorus in the mornings, and so I'd wake up super early, like four or five a.m., and run on the treadmill that my parents had in the spare room. And, um, and I remember one morning actually falling flat on my face on the treadmill because I was so exhausted and sleepy. Um, my parents rushing in to be like, what are you doing? Um, I started taking diet pills when I was in high school. I would, you know, I graduated from all of the natural ones that you could buy at GNC to the not so natural ones, um, until one morning, I think I was a senior in high school, um, I thought I was having a heart attack in the shower. And I remember getting so scared um, because there was a part of me that realized that if anything happened, that I had done this to myself. Um, and I remember trying to get water in my mouth and just noticing that you know my heart was pumping so hard and there was so much pain in my body and I didn't know what was going on. And all I could think was, oh my God, you've really done it this time, Cass. Um, and I made a deal with God at that point. I talked to God in the shower and I said, listen, God, if you, if you let me live through this, I promise to stop messing with the diet pills. I promise, um, to stop playing Russian roulette with my health, um, in this way. And, and I did, I got, I recovered from that, um, that shower and I went back and I stopped with all the unnatural diet pills. And, um, but I maintained that consciousness of wanting to exercise a lot and being careful of what I ate. And also, you know, at the same token of that, on the other side of the scale would be sometimes, you know, going down at night for, you know, a bunch of cookies or, you know, um, raiding the fridge and stuff like that. So I definitely had kind of these push, but push and pullbacks, but my disordered, behavior didn't really reach its full pinnacle until I was in college. And when I was in college, um, in an acting program, which I went to school for, there was, it was a lot of competition and there was this kind of underlying feeling in the acting world that in order to be successful, you had to be skinny. And a lot of the leading ladies that you looked at, um, it was like you you were either a leading lady or you were like the chubby friend. <laughs> and to be healthy size in the middle um, was the worst the worst place of all because it was uncastable. And I really was so ambitious um, even then around my career and so ambitious for what I wanted to do that to have something like that that was in my control when I really felt a lot of other things around my career weren't in my control. Um, 
it made me really focus on it and made me make it my mission and spend lots of hours at the gym and, you know, start eating iceberg lettuce with fat-free ranch dressing for two meals a day and skim milk with special K for the other ones. And, um, I would feverishly track my calories and anyone that has worked with me now or has even talked to me, um, knows that that's something I do not touch anymore. Um, cause I went through such a severe period of monitoring my calories and monitoring every single thing. Um, and it was funny because during those times when I was monitoring, monitoring my calories and paying so much attention to what I was getting, logging everything, um, that's actually when I was eating the worst. I was eating such um, nutrient-less <laughs> food, um, and and I did lose a lot of weight, and that was the first time when people started noticing, um, which was so addictive. It was so addictive to have people asking me, oh, wow, like you look like you lost 10, 15 pounds. Like, what are you doing? Like, you look great. Um, and that was, that was definitely edging me on and I just amped it up. And it wasn't until a few years later while in college that I started getting these stomach pains and they were so bad and I couldn't, I could barely walk to classes sometimes and I didn't know what was bringing them on and I didn't know what was causing them and I would go to the infirmary and get all the blood tests and get everything done um, and they were like, you're fine, nothing, nothing's wrong with you, but I was still in such tremendous amounts of pain, it was hard for me to even focus. Um, so I finally had this moment where I was crying on my way, um, leaving the infirmary for another blood test that came back that everything was fine. And um, the nurse asked me what was going on. This just random nurse that I hadn't been talking to. And I explained briefly what was going on. And she was like, honey, have you ever considered food allergies? Sometimes the tests that we do here can't pick up all of the food allergies, but you might want to experiment with um, doing an elimination diet or you know, looking up some of the common food allergies and just taking them out of your diet for a week and seeing And it was really interesting that here I had been on a diet for God knows how long, um, but this diet had a completely different energy about it. And I went to the library back in the day. That's what you did. You went to the library. (laughs) And I looked up books on food allergies and um, anything about this elimination diet. And I started reading and I I found all these different things that people had common reactions to. And a lot of their reactions were very similar to mine, where it was just like unexplainable stomach pain and cramping, um, exhaustion, fatigue. And so I put myself on this elimination diet and I was a bit of an extremist with it um, because I was so scared and I just wanted to be out of pain so, um, so much. And... um, And I pretty much was eating, you know, I would go and get all different kinds of vegetables from the store and brown rice, and I kept it really, really basic. Um, I ended up going completely vegan and gluten-free, eliminating a lot of things. I just, just almost on an intuitive level at that point and experimenting then with adding things back and seeing how it did for my body. And that period, that turning point was one of the first big switch flips for me. 
it was when I first really decided that I wanted to take care of this body. I wanted to nourish this body, that I could surrender the fact that I wasn't a size zero um, if I could get my health back, if I could get my energy back, if I could be back in my life and enjoying my friends and enjoying you know, the work that I was doing. And that started everything. That started everything. And that's really, you know, that's when my blog started. I started blogging some of the different healthy recipes I was making. Um, I started sharing a lot about what was going on and about my healing journey. But most importantly, I started talking to my body. I started actually asking my body, oh, how is this going? I started noticing when I would eat something and it wouldn't feel good. I started noticing when I would eat something and you know, I'd get the stomach pains back again when I would feel fatigued again. And it was this coming back into relationship with my body for me that really changed the game. And I'd love to say that after that little, you know, foray that everything was absolutely perfect and it never happened again and I never again mistreated my body (laughs) or had negative thoughts about it, but that's a lie. Um, The next few years, graduating, getting back to the city, still acting, I had a couple really major auditions um, where I was so you know, so focused on wanting the audition that I didn't eat for two days and exercise for hours. Um, and there were a lot of relapses in that way where I really, I was doing this thing that I knew was not okay. And it was a steady growth process of really coming back to a place and consciously bringing myself back to that place of being like, hey, you have this beautiful, healthy body. How grateful are you to have this beautiful, healthy body? How can we take care of it? How can we let it feel its best, let it be its best without doing anything that's harming it? Um, And there were lots of lapses where I needed to forgive myself, where I needed to say, okay, it wasn't cool that you did that. It wasn't cool that you only drank juice today and went to the gym for eight hours. What can we do? And it was through different recovery steps, through committing to myself to eat three meals a day, three healthy meals a day, three substantial meals a day, and... um, And sticking to it through getting into a regular body gratitude practice where in the morning I was, you know, really being present as I was washing my body in the shower, putting on body lotion to being grateful for each and every part of my body, um, that it was working. And through other instances in my life where, you know, my brother got sick with a terminal illness and I really watched, um his health decline and I watched him lose his large intestine and I watched him go into these major surgeries and really fight for his life um, that I really, really hit me more and more and more through the flexing of those muscles and through those life instances that were brought to me that this body is so much more than what size it is, is so much more than what it looks like on any given day, is so much more than if it's bloated right now (laughs) and... And that the the greatest gift was that I get to live this life in it and that I get to be healthy and have energy. Um, And once again, the reason that I wrote Eat With Intention and the reason that I do the work I do with women was because I realized that the more I got out of my head around my body, 
the more I really surrendered that to God, surrendered that to a higher power, the more I got into my life, the more I was able to actually be of service to other people, the more I was able to decide the life I wanted to create. You know, the the life I have now, I think so many people come to me and they want business coaching and they want, you know, all this business advice. And honestly, me healing my relationship with my body was the foundational moment that launched everything. Because once I started making peace with my body, once I started connecting with it as an intuitive vessel, as something that was constantly giving me feedback on everything in life, giving me feedback on whether if I wanted to go to events or feedback on what food was working for it, feedback on how it wanted to work out or how much rest it needed, feedback if that guy should go on, I should go on a second date with him. Um, I had a completely different relationship with it. And that allowed me to create the business that I have now, to create the life I have now. Um, and that's why it's so important for me to teach these skills. And I'm excited. I'm going to be doing an eight-week Love Your Body boot camp this summer um, starting on June 15th where I'm going to work with a group of women and really help them learn these fundamental tools, share these things, because I think, one, it's so important for us to share our stories, for us to confess. Um, They say that you're only as sick as your secrets. So the more honest you are with a group of loving women uh, about what's going on for you and what's coming up for you, the less it festers, the less it it harms you, the less it, it bleeds into detrimental behaviors. And, you know, for those of you who are wondering, well, do those thoughts ever come up for you again? Do you ever do um, negative things uh, like that? I will say that it's not that the thoughts never come up again. It's not that I never get triggered by trying on a bathing suit in a dressing room and feel fat. It's not that I don't have a day where I'm PMSing and I'm feeling bloated and gross in my own skin. The difference is now is that I have a really hearty toolbox. So I know how to get through those even extremely triggering times. I know that even if my mind is going crazy, if my mind is saying, you know, all these things about my body and my mind is coming up with some crazy cockamamie schemes of how to shift it, um, I know to look at that and to acknowledge it and to say, that's great. Thank you for your feedback, but no, thank you. Um, I know how to choose the loving thing, even if it doesn't feel like the thing I want to do. I know that when I go try on that bridesmaid's dress and it's too small and I'm feeling triggered and I'm feeling gross and I don't want to eat lunch that day, I know that that's that's the day that I'm definitely going and and eating a lunch and I'm sitting down and I'm making myself do it even if I don't want to. And even with exercising, I know I go to group classes now. I love group classes. Um, Group classes feel really fun to me. I like being around other people. It feels really nourishing. I only go to workout classes that I love, that I enjoy, that I look forward to. I don't do anything that feels like punishment. you know, the, that's not my, my motto with my body anymore. I don't want to do something that, you know, I'm pushing myself to a place of pain because I feel like I need to change something about myself. I want to work out from a place of celebrating and enjoying this beautiful body of mine. 
And there are many other, many other little intricacies um, that I really consider rigging myself for success. Because I think to be completely honest with you guys, I don't know if it's a thing where you just snap your fingers one day and you never again feel fat in your body, even if you're not fat. I don't know if it's a thing where you snap your fingers one day and you never again get triggered by looking at a Victoria's Secret model picture or whatever your personal triggers are. But I do know that there is so much hope, that there is so much life on the other side of allowing those thoughts and those behaviors to consume you and that we can't have shame for, for this, this part of us, this, um, you know, this, this somewhat, you know, pretty normal behavior. I think we grew up in a society and we still live in a society, um, where as women, we get divorced from our bodies at a very early age. Um, with the media, with magazines, with television, um, there's such this ideal of what our body should look like. And, you know, God forbid our body is any bit off what that looks like. We start to think that something is wrong with us. And we start to think that we need to change it. And, you know, the diet industry is like, I think like a multi-billion dollar industry for a reason. Because we've given our power away to other people outside of us instead of trusting in our own body's wisdom. We can't trust in our intuition and our body's wisdom. We can't trust in that beautiful discernment tool that we have if we're constantly waging war against it. If we're constantly thinking, how could I change you? How could, you know, if we're constantly, we can't be in our lives if we're constantly obsessing about what's on our plate. You know, this you know, hashtag balance, I find hilarious, right? Because it's like, oh, hashtag balance, I'm going to eat a donut, hashtag balance, then I'm going to have green juice, right? And the thing is, is that, you know, when you're really in that place in life, when you really do love your body and you're listening to your body, you want to make the best choices for it. You want to put food in it that feels good. And you also know that you don't have to put hard and fast restrictions on things. Unless Unless that's the self-loving thing to do, I will say that at a point in my journey, I, for six months, I put a hard no sugar ban. And that no sugar ban was because I realized that a lot of my compulsive tendencies, my emotional eating tendencies, which I could do a whole separate podcast on, um, was around sugar. And so if I had just one piece of sugar, I would end up eating 10 other things. So while I was trying to release myself of that addiction, I gave it up for six months and I focused on, you know, eating just whole foods and paying attention to when those sugar cravings emerged and doing something sweet for myself, you know, having a an apple or some berries and, um, sorry, there's a little doggy outside. You guys might be able to hear chirping. Um, but anyway, so it's really coming back to the question. Sorry, my dog's not going to. Um, it's really coming back to the question of what is the self-loving choice for my body? What is the self-loving choice 
in in this instance when we're deciding what to order from a menu when we're deciding how to move our body when we are you know when we're in that space of feeling really triggered it's doing the self-loving choice right and sometimes when you're feeling really really triggered the self-loving choice is to wear comfortable clothes so that you're not more triggered is to wear yoga pants and a baggy sweater that day sometimes a self-loving choice is to take a nice bath or call up a girlfriend, or share what's going on for you. And sometimes the self-loving choice is to take a walk, right? Get back into nature. Do some art. Um, that That is the ultimate healer. And I'm... <laughs> can you, Carl, can you stop it? Sorry. Um, this is going to be a little bit more difficult than I thought. I guess with my new puppy starting the podcast again. Um, well, I'm going to cut this off before it gets too long, but I hope this was helpful for you. Um, I hope that if it inspired something in you or just, you know, gave you some hope that you'll comment, um, leave a review, subscribe, uh, check out the video on YouTube if that's your favorite medium of ingesting as well. Um, and if you're feeling really called for the Love Your Body Boot Camp and you're feeling called to embark on this journey with me and and get some tools and get community around this conversation with making peace with your body, then I hope you'll check out the information below or shoot me an email at cbodzak at gmail.com. That's just cbodzak at gmail.com. And I hope you're excited for this new series of Behind the Curtain where I will talk about more things around my business, around money, around relationships. We're just going to dive deep and share the real stuff that has happened, um, as well as, you know, where I'm at right now and, and some of the tools that help me get there. So thank you guys. And I'll talk to you soon.